is Ryan Miller, and for the past 15 years, I've helped hundreds of people to raise millions of dollars for their funds and for their startups. If you're serious about raising money, launching your business, or taking your life to the next level, this show will give you the answers so that you too can enjoy your pursuit of making billions. Let's get into it. Building a great company and product doesn't have to be hard. My next guest has built multiple startups and has delivered billions of dollars in value to all of his investors. He's going to walk you through the startup fundamentals on building a company and raising capital. So the question is, when are you going to start building your company so you too can enjoy your pursuit of making billions? Here we go. Hey, welcome to another episode of Making Billions. I'm your host, Ryan Miller, and today I have my dear friend, Tim Huang. Tim is a legend in the fintech and healthcare industry. His track record in building successful companies and delivering value for his shareholders is unmatched. His companies have generated billions of dollars in value, and he has completed dozens of acquisitions worldwide. He has secured over $230 million in funding from some of the industry's biggest investors. So what this means is that Tim understands how to launch, fund, and exit billion-dollar unicorns, and he's here to teach you all about it so you too can enjoy your pursuit of making billions. So Tim, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Big fan, big, big fan of the show, and obviously uh, a lot of great lessons along, along the way. So looking forward to the conversation here. Awesome. Thank you. You're, you're very kind. And, and we've done very well all because of great guests like you. So it's truly an honor to have you here. Really quick, let's address the beginners. Let's hit them right between the eyes. For people starting out in your industry, what have you found? If you had to coach yourself in the early days when you were starting out again, what advice would you give to the younger Tim version of you on how to win in the early days and how not to blow it up and ruin it? So what advice could you give to people starting out? Yeah, you know, well, I think that a lot of people think that founders are these like risk taking kind of cowboys that go out there and quit their jobs and pioneer new industries and things like that, which, you know, all those things are definitely true. But I think that a lot of what a lot of people get wrong is that founders fundamentally are constantly reducing risk. And so, you know, you think about sort of like what it takes to get from an idea to a successful business to a successful exit, you're sort of always thinking about how to reduce the biggest risk at that certain stage. When you're really in the early stages, you know, you're thinking about, do people actually want my product or service? And you spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about cultivating the, the actual offer you're, you're working on, working on the product, working on the service and the like, and really making sure that that resonates in the market. And then let's say you have a great product and you sort of move on to the next stage, which is, you know, you have a great product, customers are resonating with it, but you need to actually start building a company. Uh, it can't just be you, you know, slinging some stuff in the back of your car. So now you need to actually put together a team and think about, you know, like, yeah, is there a way for me to scale out kind of product development, distribution, whatever the case is? If you start building a co-founding team and it's somewhat of a team and so on and so forth, let's say you have a great product, first couple early members and the like, um, then you say, okay, well, how do I really scale this up? And you think about capital, right? So you think about sort of how do I reduce my risk by partnering with the right people, creating a financing strategy to kind of, you know, start scaling the business, uh, whatever the case is. And then from there on, let's say you have a great product, you have a great team, you've got some great capital. Um, and then now you've got to scale up this business. And so you spend a lot of time recruiting, uh, building up your company structure and your organization, your and culture and the like. Um, all those things are incredibly important at the end of the day, because what you're trying to do is reduce the biggest risk that's in front of you at any given time. And so I guess the biggest thing that I would say is, you know, it's really just putting some level of, of focus and attention on the things that matter. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this in, in a little bit, but oftentimes when you start a company and you're kind of running around doing a bunch of stuff and your calendar's filled with stuff and, you know, it seems really busy. It's very easy to get uh, to feel like you're extremely busy, but actually have accomplished nothing for the day or for the week. And so, 
really focusing in on those risk areas and then kind of laser focus your time and resource and attention on those things, I think is really the most important thing overall. Brilliant. And, you know, building a product that nobody wants is is one of the biggest risks of all, that's for sure. So yeah, that product market fit, this is brilliantly said. And for the beginners, what are some ways to not lose? How do you how do you avoid getting wiped out in the early days? What have you found to be some helpful advice for beginners in that area? You know, I, I would say that a lot of it comes down to sort of, you know, old fashioned talking to customers. You know, as crazy as it sounds, I think, you know, customers tend to actually have almost all of the answers, especially in the early days. You know, with my first company, I, I literally remember, you know, my, my co-founders and I made a Google spreadsheet and we literally just copied and pasted prospects. And then we went over to 7-Eleven and we bought those like, you know, prepaid burner phones and just sat down cold calling customers trying to get their feedback on whether they would buy this product and how much they would pay for it. And like, we just did that like literally hundreds, if not thousands of times over, over and over and over and over again, just to get that customer feedback. And so I think that I have this sort of saying that I tell my product managers in any company that I, I work with, which is that people try and make business really complicated. They put like a lot of really complicated terms with like, you know, accounting and finance, corporate strategy and stuff. And I think business is really simple. Ultimately, I think it's basically a business exists to solve a problem for customers and to do it over and over. You know, I don't care if you're selling electric vehicles or enterprise software or um, you know, furniture or whatnot. Ultimately, you build a great product and you get it over the counter to customers. And you do that over and over and over and over again. And that's your successful business. Really focusing on that uh, value transfer between you know the customer and what you're offering. That's that's really how you win at the end of the day. Brilliant, awesome. Let's shift a little bit into the market, right? So your market. I'm curious of what are you seeing out there where it's at, and then uh, maybe you could take us on a ride on on where you see things going. You know, one of the things I, I think a lot about is is the kind of future direction of enterprise software and. Generally speaking, I would say there's a couple of things that have been happening overall. I'd say two major trends in enterprise software over the last couple of years. So trend one is all the component parts around fintech. Um, so you know we, we call them the five major pillars of fintech. So credit cards, loans, accounts, payments, and then you know, to a certain extent, insurance and the like, slash investing. Those sort of five pillars of investing have become atomized uh, over the last couple of years. There's several dozen companies that essentially enable you to be able to very rapidly build a credit card or rapidly build an accounts business or rapidly build a payments business, whatever the case may be. The cost of building a fintech company has come down quite a bit. All you need to do is sort of link together some APIs, you know, wrap together an application, and then you're ready to go and, and have, have built a credit card company. That's sort of trend one. Now that's like a trend in and of itself, but you know, I think for the purpose of our conversation, we can sort of talk about the bigger trend in trend two, which is around uh, what I call the verticalization of software. Over the last call, 10 years or so, maybe 20 years, um, you've actually seen software winners shift from horizontal plays into verticalized plays. And so what that means is that, you know, maybe in the 90s and the early 2000s, the biggest software companies that were growing the quickest, you know, were these like ver- vertical or horizontalized CRM companies or marketing automation companies or HR tech companies or accounting software companies. And then now what we're seeing actually is that the biggest software companies or the fast growing software companies are the ones that essentially are growing in a specific vertical. And then building as many services as they can for a very targeted customer base. You look at companies like uh, Toast in the restaurant space, or Service Titan in the electrician HVAC space, or Viva in the pharmaceutical space. These companies essentially have this laser focus on a particular type of customer. And then they offer them things like a CRM dedicated for their particular industry, or uh, a payments product that's fully integrated with certain marketplaces where they offer their own marketplace with lending products that are tied specifically to credit uh, underwriting in that particular sector. And so combine these two things. And what you've got essentially is this explosion of of opportunity where 
you know, you can pick an industry, agriculture, aerospace, healthcare, manufacturing, whatever the case is. And you can combine it essentially with some uh, atomized fintech product, and then you could go to market very quickly, you know, in that particular space. So imagine payments for farmers or payroll processing for nurses or uh, CRMs for food wholesalers. These are very specific products that, you know, are targeting very specific customers. Um, and you're essentially getting to a point where, you know, there's a wide explosion of, of economic value happening simply through the combination of these two things. Brilliant. As we round third base, this has been phenomenal. We're talking about the software industry and where things are going to the verticalization. Now, with all of your experience and you've raised from some of the best people in the industry, what could be, say, two or three things that you could leave behind to really just help round out and solidify a lot of that information? So people who are starting out in entrepreneurship, investing, whatever it is, what would be some of the most critical advice that you could leave behind for our listeners around the world? Yeah, well, I think um, a couple of things, right? The first is around market selection and products. One of the things that I think a lot about is just how to take a very rigorous approach to you know, selecting the right market. You can imagine, for instance, like this gigantic like mental or, or, you know, or virtual spreadsheet that you can sort of create. You know, on the x-axis, you have industries. On the y-axis, you have software categories. So like CRM, HRIS, accounting, whatever, marketing. And then, you know, you know, in the East, actually have like aerospace, healthcare, whatever. And so you can actually look at each opportunity independently. You can say, you know, what does the, the market opportunity look like for, uh, you know, HR and talent management for, you know, the seasonal agriculture space or something? Or what does the accounting software market look like for manufacturers? Uh, and then you can sort of identify market growth rates, total addressable market. So all, all these things and sort of do the actual rigorous research and then actually end up with a series of, of business ideas that you can sort of go, at, go after. So if you're ever really stuck on you know, what, what to build, um, I think that really trying to have a, a very data-driven and rigorous approach you know, to uh, sort of methodically, methodically essentially identify where those opportunities are is really important. I think that the Second thing is just in terms of capital raising. I guess the number one question I get from people just, you know, like whenever I talk to folks is just, you know, advice about fundraising. The one thing that I would say is that not all VCs are born the same. I think that ultimately when you're doing a deal, you know, people are doing deals with other people. Uh, like founders, VCs come in very different shapes and sizes. As an example, you've got like fintech founders, you've got crypto founders, you've got consumer founders, you've got uh, enterprise software founders, you know, whatever the case is, um, in a very similar fashion, the VCs sort of operate in a similar way. And you've got sort of on one side of the bucket, kind of generalists. And then the other side, you've got fintech VCs and consumer VCs and marketplace VCs and beauty VCs, and whatever the case is. If you're pitching investors, you have to identify the exact type of investor you want to go after categorically by industry and then categorically by size. Um, so there's some investors that invest really early. Some investors only do pre-IPO. And so the way that you waste a ton of time is if you just talk to everyone all the time, instead of being very targeted about people that are very interested and specialized in your space. And then the last thing I would say is, and this is like more wishy-washy, I would say, but um, it's, it's really about building a culture and, and, and a team that really um, you know, resonates with your values. It's not just like you know the things that you sort of drape on the walls that say like teamwork and collaboration, and excellence, but like really thinking about what is the type of business that you want to run? And if you were an employee, right, at this company, what are the values that you would want the management team to have? And in many cases, those things are very personal. You know, there might be things like having a sense of responsibility, you know, focusing on professional development, whatever the case is. And so it's, you've got to really think about that. And almost parallel to your business plan, you've really got to be very explicit about what your values are and then be able to implement those in your hiring, your recruiting, your 
um, you know, promotions, whatever the case is. And that's you build a very strong culture for business, you know, for you know a decade plus in the future. Brilliant. As we wrap things up, this has been good, man. You this has been jam-packed with value. I am truly honored that you I know you're a busy guy and you've taken a ton of time to spend with me. And uh, we're gonna get you back on there raising hundreds of millions of dollars and just dominating the fintech space. So really appreciate uh, you coming on, Tim, and sharing that with our fans around the world. You know, just to to summarize, folks, do your market research, make sure you understand what's going on in your market market, making sure that you are building something that customers want. Second thing that Tim mentioned is, hey, when you're raising capital, your hit rate's going to go up when you actually approach VCs that are looking for stuff in your sector. Not all VCs Take it from me, folks. I get hit up all the time. Not all VCs just invest in startups. They invest in startups in particular sectors. So make sure that you understand the sector of the VC. Just do a little bit of homework and you'll find out. If you're a clean energy guy, don't start approaching a software VC, right? Like there's a big difference. And then finally, build a winning team all starts with understanding your values. So don't rely too heavy on the resume. Yes, it matters, but it's not the one thing that rules it all. It's also values and their integrity, their attitude. There's a lot of those soft skills that really go the distance. You do these things and you too will be well on your way in your pursuit of making billions. Wow, what a show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to leave a comment and review on new ideas and guests you want me to bring on for future episodes. Plus, why don't you head over to YouTube and see extra takes while you get to know our guests even better. And make sure to come back for our next episode where we dive even deeper into the people, the process, and the perspectives of both investors and founders. Until then, my friends, stay hungry, focus on your goals, and keep grinding towards your dream of making billions.